Welcome back to the 27th episode of Chess Journey, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we don't just seek to highlight the highs of chess improvement and chess gains, but we also like to delve into people's journeys as they suffer through plateaus or pits of despair. I mean, just to be clear, it's been a year since I've been back and my rating has not gone up. Chess Universe, what is going on? That'll be a whole nother episode later. Um, and before we get started, remember, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys to support the show if you'd like. Uh, thanks so much to our queen level supporters, Terry King, Andrew Perry, Jay Tuttle, and Jay Garrison. I'm trying to put all kinds of stuff up there lately, whether that's uh, book reviews, annotated game collections, and my chess journal where you can see what I'm up to. Also, be sure to check out Chessable. Chessable's awesome. I'm at 10 days and counting, uh, which is a lot for me because I tend to choose use Chessable slightly differently, but I've been working with timeless techniques, strategic endgames, and loving it. Uh, also, uh, today's episode is going to be partially sponsored by Aim Chess. You can go to doc, you can go to Aim Chess, put in Doctor Skull Thirty as a code, and we'll come back to that more later. Uh, but more importantly, we have a guest today, Andrew. This guy had a huge ratings jump in two years from eight hundred to twenty three hundred. So we don't normally highlight a lot of these like massive gains, but today we have a guest who had them. Um, he detailed his gains on how he made them on this really informative Reddit thread, which I'll link in the show notes. He's an adult improver. He's got some impressive stuff. I truly look forward to hearing what he has to say. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. How are you doing? And have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having me on. Um, I have not had a chance to play chess today. It's been a bit of a busy day, but I'm looking forward to to this podcast. I'm doing very well. I've got my second cup of coffee and I look forward to talking about chess. <laughs> oh, he's ready. Second cup. Wow. Um, all right. So before we get started, let's hear just a little bit about like, what is your life like? Do you have seven children? Do you have a career? What's happening in your life? Right. So I'm, I'm 24 years old. I, I graduated in May 2020 with a, a degree in math. And I've been working since then as a software developer. And I'm, I'm from the island of Kauai, but I, I live in Spokane, Washington now. I do not have seven kids, but I have a girlfriend. And, and that's what okay. life looks like right now. Okay. So you have a career, you have a girlfriend, you have responsibilities aside from just sitting in your home and playing chess nine hours a day, which by the way, kind of sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, so what's your backstory then? Like, when did you pick up chess? Yeah, I picked up chess in 2019. Whoa, wait, I, did you never touch it as a child or is 2019 like when you- 2019 is when, I, is when I started chess. Oh, wow. Um, I, okay. I, I lived with a guy, his name was Carl. We, I, we lived together over the summer and he brought a chess set and he, he was around 800. So he knew the rules, he knew the basics, but he wasn't that, he wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, and so we started playing together over that summer and I, I couldn't beat it. I mean, because he he knew the basics and I, I was learning yeah. the game. So so in my downtime, I was going on YouTube. I was watching John Bartholomew tutorial videos. I was getting a feel for the basics. And I, I didn't quite get better than him to the point where I could beat him by the end of the summer. But after the summer, when we moved out, I kept playing and I, and I kept studying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so that was two and a half years ago. 
Okay, important question. Have you had a chance to reconnect with this person and destroy them now that you're, you know? <laughs> no. Oh, well, so, so they're just like, I'm just better than Andrew. We, we've reconnected. I mean, I, we, he came over to the house the other night and we played cards with some college friends, but I didn't challenge him to a game of chess. I, I was around 2,300 at that point. Well, that, was, that was a big error. You that's just sadistic. Definitely should have whomped that friend of yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool. So you've got this friend gets you into chess. You said 2019 is when you first picked it up. That that's pretty yeah. fascinating. And that's not that long ago to make that jump from not even 800. Apparently you're, you know, quite a bit less than 800 when you start because the 800 is whooping you. So we'll, we'll say you went from like 400 to 2300. That's like 2000 points, man. So this is exciting stuff. Maybe um, so. that is, I will say that's all chess.com blitz. Okay, <laughs> so sure. it's, it's not like FIDE or USCF. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. I, I feel like chess.com is a pretty, pretty true measurement, true in quotes. It's, so like yeah, USCF. it's reliable around yeah. every, every few games I'm playing against title players. So it's, it's up Ooh. there, but I, I don't have, um, I, I don't have a title. I'm not even close to master level in my mind. Okay. So I guess we'll start here then. Um, do you play anything other than blitz? Like, do you play any rapid? Do you play any over the board chess? Or are you just like a blitz specialist? Yeah, I've I've played some rapid. And have you heard of the Lee Chess Lone Wolf League? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was in that for a bit. So doing a weekly classical game online. Okay. And I, I just started with over the board this fall. So mm. I've, I've only got about a dozen games in or so. But mm. I want to get more uh, rated over the board games in. in and what's your over the board rating? Provisional is in the 1900s right now. Okay. And so like... When you, when you started, you're unrated, right? So tell me, did you go into yeah. one of these tournaments and you're like, I'll play in the under thousand section and just whomp everyone? I, I, I'm, like? I'm in a small, Spokane does not have a, have a big chess scene. So yeah. the first tournament I was in, there was like 20 people, one guy's over 2000 and everyone else is like between 1000 and 1600. Hmm. Um, so so my, my first game, and my first round of my first tournament was against that 20, 2100 rated player. I don't know why I got paired with him for the first game. Okay, interesting. Um, but it, it, I, I, I lost. Yeah. <laughs> it did not go well for me. I also, I've also had trouble like transitioning from online play to over the board. Yeah, I bet. Um, you've probably heard people say that quite a bit. And in my first few over the board games, I, I just like blundered night forks. Like the kind of moves I'd be yeah. very upset with myself if I if I missed in a three minute no increment blitz game. Mm -hmm. Like I miss it with thirty minutes to think, and I just like I, I have no words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I when I came back this year, I hadn't played any over the board at all from December until June, and I had a tournament in June. So what I did is before that tournament, I got out of board, I set it up, I just started doing like calculation puzzles and stuff on yeah, the board the just to get it. a feel for it because you're right it's the first couple of times it was like like one time i there was a piece hiding behind another piece and i was like what i didn't know <laughs> yeah. it was on there and i'm like oh my goodness i have I really gotten rusty yet over the board <laughs> that's real yeah okay so it sounds like your provisional rating is about 1900 it sounds like you're probably under ranked then if you're mostly playing with lower rated players because it's really hard 
um, to kind of get that accurate measurement. Plus you've got the, the problem of transitioning over the board. Have you thought at all about like gearing up for one of these big events, like flying to Vegas and playing in one of those? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't care enough right now. Like I, I worry about my online ratings. Like when I see my USCF go up and down, I don't care. Um, but, oh, but it's okay. the kind of thing where if I, if I lose a hundred points online, like that's upsetting for me. Cause I guess that's how I've always measured. Yeah. Um, how, how well I've been playing over the years. And I've just kind of started over the board as a side hobby, I guess. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Cause I think if you talk to a lot of chess players, real chess is over the board chess yeah. and then online chess, especially blitz would be kind of like the side dish or the training for the real chess. Yeah. But it sounds like you are defining real chess as like your online blitz rating and everything else is just kind of like some fun, other cool stuff you're doing. Right. That's just how it's been for me because for the first two years or so I was playing, I didn't play any over the board. Um, so I, I've only worried about online, I guess. Yeah. I just, I find that fascinating. I think it's going to be an interesting transition as more and more people, I think that are discovering chess online and exclusively play online, consider yeah. that to be on, to be the real chess. And I think it's going to be an interesting uh, thing for our community to sort of grapple with, like, is there real chess at all? Or is it just whatever anyone prefers is real chess to that? Right. For sure. All right. Well, yeah, let's get into a bit your process, man. I got to hear how this has worked. How many <laughs> sure. hours a week Oof. or day would you say you're playing? I, I have no idea. It's one of those things where... Um, especially the first two years, I've, I've been relaxing more the last couple of months. Um, but especially the first two years where if I wasn't working, if I didn't have any homework, if I didn't have plans with friends, it was chess. Like I was mm -hmm. playing blitz online. I was doing puzzles. I was on chessable. Um, I recently just lost my 120 day streak on chessable over, over the Christmas season. So I, I use chessable every day, uh. but because of that nature of, um, before I go to bed, I'll watch like an hour long title Tuesday video uploaded mm -hmm. by chess bra or something. So for a long time, I was just intaking chess whenever I could. And I, and I wasn't measuring any, like, Oh, I'll put in 20 hours this week of yeah. 10 hours, play 10 hours. um studying. Okay. So it sounds like you didn't have like a rigorous schedule or plan. You were just doing chess because chess was fun and enjoyable. And yeah probably because you were getting better. It makes it even more enjoyable. So you've got that nice yeah, feedback definitely. loop going. Yeah. Seeing the rating games is the rating games is addicting for sure. Yeah. It's been an interesting process for me. Cause those first two years when I played, it was that straight uphill graph. I went from a thousand to 1700 USCF and it was wonderful. Wow. And now that I've come back, uh, yeah, it has, it has been a complete flat line corpse like, mm -hmm uh progress so that, that's been interesting for me to to figure out is it the feedback loop of the ratings game that keeps you going or is it the process it'll be it'll be interesting for you have you hit any plateaus yet or are you still really moving up um i i thought i'd hit plateaus but i mean compared to other people i hadn't um like be, between 1900 and 2000 that took me six months Hmm. Um, but it also took me six months to go from 2100 to 2300. So, it, um, and, and it's been maybe two months since I hit 2300, but I haven't really been studying. I've been taking a break pretty much till mm -hmm. the end of the year. Um, 
So my, my, I think my longest plateaus have been like five or six months, okay. which is, which is not a lot compared to a lot of people's chess journeys. I recognize that, but it felt like a long time to me where I thought yeah. oh, it's, it's been five minutes, five months. I've been studying, I've been training and yeah, right. That, rating that, is lower. Yeah, exactly. It does feel long. So like when you say it took you six months to go from 2,100 to 2,300, was it like you were stuck at 2,100 for six months and then just boom, something clicked in your brain and you just suddenly shot up to 2300 or was like a slow steady gain that's it's never a slow steady gain that's that's how it always goes for me Um, okay i i always dip for a while like for like a month or two my my rating will be like 100 points below my peak Hmm. um and at some point it'll it'll click for me and i'll and i'll just like jump to the next um barrier that i was trying to hit and then I'll stabilize there for a bit and then, and then slowly go down over a long course of time as I study and try to learn new things, mm-hmm. especially yeah, changing openings. Say. I always see my rating drop if I, if oh, I yeah. try to study something new. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Oh, oh, learning new openings is basically guaranteed points lost to your rating. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, in the short term. I, I'm yeah. grateful I've done it because, for example, studying the English informed how I played 1D4. So hmm. even though in the short term, like I... I lost like 150, 200 points when I switched from the Queen's Gambit to the English. Mm-hmm. I think when I went back to playing 1D4, I, had, I, I just felt like I had a better understanding of the positions I got. So in That's hindsight, really it, was, it was worth it for me. Yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend that for, for anyone below 2,000, I think. I, it, it, I don't think openings need as much of a focus, but... We don't have to talk about that. That's my controversial, that's my hot take in chess. I, I think openings get too much time. Yeah, I think most high-level players and trainers completely agree with you. I think the problem is uh, it's just so easy to acquire knowledge, especially since we have these mm-hmm. great tools like Chessable, to be like, I know the first 18 moves of X opening. Yeah. And now, like, I know that. And it's like, okay, you do kind of, but like, you know what to do <laughs> yeah. with it, or like, right. now you blunder all your pieces because you could have spent that time doing tactics. I think it's like this right. really hard push and pull of like acquiring knowledge without like the skill to back it up. So I, I agree. I, I've tried very hard to not focus on openings, but I gotta say, I kind of feel like one of the things that's holding me at this ratings levels. I'm realizing more and more that. I know my opening's fine. Like I don't, I don't memorize mm-hmm. 20 lines, 20 moves or something. What I don't have a really clear plan on is like what the middle game I'm looking for out of that opening is. And I think that's where I need to personally uh, work on my opening prep is like, what is the middle game I'm playing to? What is kind of like the ideal spot for pieces in these openings rather than just kind of being like, this move seems fine. Yeah, when I've gotten chessable courses on openings, I've always gained so much more from chapters on model games, for example, like a collection of 30 games or 50 games in that opening, Um, because then I'm not memorizing moves. I'm like internalizing ideas, looking at middle game plans. Yeah. Um, And that's what I've always found is, is more helpful for me, but you're right. It's, I think it's also very addicting to study openings because in the opening, you you feel like you're in charge. Like you know your best move, you know your opponent's best move. 
Yeah. And you know how you can win if they if they go wrong. And that's an addicting feeling because you feel like you're in control when yeah. you're not. Especially <laughs> you're when never you're in like control. deep in it. Like when I first learn a new opening and I'm really going deep and like learning every move. Um, and then it kind of dissipates a bit as I look at other stuff. But like I was doing that with a Carol Khan and I played this coach of mine and I was getting these amazing positions and he'd be like, well, why'd you make this move? It looks kind of weird to me. And I was like, that's the move, man. Like I studied it. That's the 12th move. If you do that, I do this for this reason. He was like, right. Wow. But then after move 12, I crushed you. And I was like, yeah, that's where the opening <laughs> trap ended. <laughs> I know I had a good position. Stockfish knows right, I had a good right, position. Right. I did not know what to do with that good position. <laughs> Um, have have you watched a bunch of Hikaru Nakamura's uh, YouTube channel? He did one series where he got to 3,000 blitz playing the bomb cloud. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's Hikaru Nakamura, but that made me realize, like, if you don't need an opening advantage to win. <laughs> like that, yeah. that, and, and that's when I started realizing, okay, stop, stop spending your time on these opening lines. Um, just work on your tactics, work on your end games. Even okay. if you're minus one or minus two in the opening, um, if he's beating GMs, accepting a minus two position every game, like it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's it's possible to beat a 1500 without knowing theory. I, yeah. I believe that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to have to believe that as well, especially since they very well may not know any theory. Uh, it, that is the main right. reason I switched, out, switched away from the Nidor. It was not because it was too much theory. Mm -hmm. It was because... I spent all this time learning all this theory and no one knew any of it. And so I was like, exactly. I either need to enter like open brackets of big events <laughs> or just stop playing this opening that no one knows how yeah. to play. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. All right. Let's, let's talk about some of your, um, your jumps. So you said you were like around 800 ish and you were focusing on, were you focusing mainly on just playing or, and maybe watching some, some videos or did you have some other stuff you were studying? What was your focus at that point? Yeah, I was never just playing. I don't think I ever improved very much by just playing. I, I've always watched a lot of YouTube videos. At the start, I was watching every John Bartholomew video I could get my hands on. I, I think he's still just my favorite coach, favorite player. Because I remember, especially when I was 800, and still now when I'm 2300, I watch him play against these IMs and GMs in three-minute blitz. And he make such simple moves and he explains his simple moves and then he wins and i thought that was so fascinating and i still don't understand it um like yesterday he, he posted a video getting 2850 he's playing against 2800 players and i just think i would make that yeah that makes sense that seems easy and then he wins and i that's the part i don't understand mm, gotcha so you're saying what fascinates you is that he makes all the obvious moves that you would be making anyway and then crushes <laughs> everyone but when you make all the obvious right. moves that should be made, it does not work out the same way. It never works out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but I was watching a lot of his videos. I was just fascinated by that. And so that's why I was I was watching as much as I could. Yeah. Um, the first book I got was My System. Hmm. And in hindsight, it, it really read like a textbook. But I, I just found that somebody suggested it. So I bought it and read it. And I and I yeah. and I have like 20 pages of notes, somebody, someone oh, nice. from that book yeah. that I was constantly reviewing as I was going through it. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I don't know if I would recommend that if I were coaching a student, but it, it mm -hmm. helped me a lot because um, I didn't mind the more academic approach. And, and I was able to get a lot of really useful takeaways for the, for the fundamentals. Nice. Yeah, I, I feel like any book about chess fundamentals is useful. And you need to read one of them, right? The one I read was Ludwig Pachmann's Modern Chess Strategies. But I think okay. the point you're making is that you need to read it in a really active way, right? Like you're taking notes, you're reviewing, you're reprocessing this information. And so whatever you think of my system, it's a quite polarizing book. If you think it's amazing, then great. But even if you don't think it's amazing, it's still full of great information yeah. and being active and really going over it several times, I, I think is a great point. I didn't do that with Pachman. I read it once and I put it down. And then I got to admit, there have been lots mm -hmm. of points where I was like, I'm watching some video and they're like, you should go for the minority attack here. And I was like, know the phrase. <laughs> Quote, Don't know what learned about it from Pachman. No <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So <laughs> then those moments where I've been like, hmm, maybe I didn't read that book as closely as I should have. And I've been like filling in the gaps. And now I know how to do a minority attack. And it's very exciting. Uh, but yeah, I think it's a great point that you need to be active and really you know, your first principles book, probably read it twice, maybe. I don't know. That that, that sounds like a lot. Yeah, maybe that's I've, the right way. Um, I still reread a ton of stuff. I think that's just learning. I've, for yeah. example, 100 end games you must know. I think I've gone through that on Chessable, like front to back three or four times. Um, probably two or three times was this year. And it's how many because, of those end games do you know? <laughs> like four. Uh maybe the Lucina position. <laughs> um okay. Anyways, I, I, for, for me, when I study, I think I picked up some bad study habits in school. For example, I would be told to read a book and that was my homework. And I didn't care if I forgot the information and it never bit me in the butt if I forgot what the book was about. Yeah. And I think um, that that's the way it is for a lot of chess players. They'll read a book, they'll go through a course and they'll forget about it. And they don't realize that to really retain it for the information, it, it takes a lot of work to, to go back through it and to really spend the time on every page. So that's yeah. been my learning process is realizing I can't read my system and then walk away a better player. Like it, it doesn't work like that for me. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So it sounds like you're really taking chess studying seriously and trying to be a good student. And I think that's such a good point of like, I remember my own high school days where it was like, here, read this book and I'm going to test you on it in a week. And then you can just feel free to forget all of it and it won't exactly, matter. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, that does not work for test. You it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Right. For me, it's uh, Sam Shanklin's Small Steps to Giant Improvement. I read that mm -hmm. book. I loved it when I was immersed in it on a daily basis. I would see all these pawn moves in my games. And now that I haven't been reading it, I have forgotten literally every word in it. And I'm just hoping somewhere in my subconscious, it's like, no, no, I got you. But I'm <laughs> just gone. I have to reread it again. Right. So I don't know. I, for me, it's usually gone. Like 100 endgames for you. Must have, when I said four endgames, I know that was a joke, but it's, it's also true. Like if, mm -hmm. if I'm not working through it every, every few weeks, every few months, um, when I take in new information, it just goes right out the other side or I have no idea what to do with it. Gotcha. Okay. So we, we got to this first step where we're playing games. 
We're watching every John Bartholomew video we can get our hands on. Where did that get you? Where did John Bartholomew take you to? So he can put it on YouTube that I got Andrew from this to this. <laughs> uh, pro probably around 1500, because it was a mixture of, oh. of John Bartholomew and my system. Oh, right, right. Okay, um, yeah. And then playing and, and analyzing. Okay, so um, getting I, the chess probably... principles, seeing yeah. Bartholomew's approach and playing games gets you to about 1500, which is good. Uh, I think a lot of players would be happy to be there. What's the next step? What do you do to move on from 1500? For me, I want to be careful because I don't want to say this is how you do it at this rating. <laughs> yeah. um, because I know that what works for me does not work for everyone. But I studied Amateur's Mind by Jeremy Silman next. And, and that was another book I worked through many times. And I, that was pretty much my sole uh, resource between 1500 and 1800 just because I thought it was very interesting. Have you ever read it? I've read parts of it. You know, I've like jumped in and read a game. And I think for the exact same reason you like it, I didn't like it. I was like, I don't need to see a 1200 screwing up. <laughs> I just need to see the right moves. Yeah, that's that's what I like about it. For anyone listening who doesn't know that book, uh, Jeremy Silman takes chess positions and he'll play against um, his students from a given position and make his students write down their ideas behind every move. And in the book, uh, the, the, the students are usually between 1200 and 1800. And more often than not, I would read their analysis and agree. Like an 1800 said this, I yeah. can get behind that. The 1600 uh -huh. said this, that's what I would do. And the next page, Jeremy Sobin just rips them apart. Like, no, this is bad. <laughs> like, uh -huh. um, it was a very interesting way where he could get into their thought processes and correct um, just what they're, they're doing wrong in their thinking. And, and that helped me improve. Um, I remember one idea, for example, was that I was making a lot of one move threats, hoping my opponent wouldn't see them. Mm. Um, and, and that was an aspect of my chest that that book helped me pick apart because I haven't had a coach over the years. Um, and so Jeremy Silman was my coach for those, for, the, for those readings. Interesting. So here's a question I have, and this is a, this is my own problem. I finish a book. I have a choice. I can either go back through that book a second time and make sure I really cement that information or Andrew, I could read this other book that I heard on a different <laughs> podcast that was amazing. And then just jump to that one. How yeah. did you have, um, that ability to just shutter <laughs> out all those other possibilities and be like, no, I'm going to read the same book two more times. I only would have one book at a time. <laughs> I, I didn't go to the library. I didn't go on, on Amazon and order five books at a time. Um, mm. So for a while, when it was done with my system, I got Amateur's Mind and that's all I had for like six months. <laughs> so if I, um, okay. if I ever felt like I wanted to study it, I would go back through a chapter or two. Nice. So your system was, I just won't have more books here tempting me. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I got to say, I'd have to get rid of a lot of books. I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. <laughs> and there's like 20 books that are like, Kevin, I am better than the book you're reading. <laughs> Drop it and read me. Oh, oh it's challenging. It's a lie. It's always a lie. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, okay. So you, you finished Amateur's Mind eight times. Uh, what rate did that get you to, would you say? Uh, maybe 1800 or so is when I, um, when I stopped using that. Quick question though. We're at 1800. 
I haven't heard a word about tactics. Are you doing tactics as well? I, I am always doing tactics. Okay, okay. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah, I should happens. note that be- between when I started playing chess and when I hit 2000, um, I played 1d4 as white. I played 1d5 as black. Hmm. I, I, I learned the principles from my system, right? Develop your knights. Um, control the center castle. The one principle I had to relearn many times the hard way was do not fight to win a pawn when your development is not complete. I lost, a, I lost a lot of games because of that. Sure. Um, so I wasn't studying a lot of opening theory because I had heard what the what the the top people were saying. Stop stop studying opening theory, tactics, tactics, tactics. If you're not if yeah. you're not titled. Um, so th- this is also a realization I made around 1800, where after I had sort of gotten the basics of of knowledge of of knowing how to play with an isolated pawn of knowing the the principles of end games when i acquired that knowledge at a certain point it's all about training i think um i i i believe that knowledge is not helpful for you if it doesn't descend into your habits and how you actually play and so that's where i think tactics became a big part for me is 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 not even looking as at improving as quote unquote studying, but as training, because you really have to think if you want to improve your your play, your skill. Okay. And when did you start doing tactics? Was it right from the beginning? From the beginning. I I, I loved Puzzle Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to go through my games and recognize tactics I misses I missed. And I have you heard of the woodpecker method? Oh yeah. I I, I have that on chessable. I've worked through that many times. Um, especially the beginner and intermediate tactics because I to improve tactics or to improve pattern recognition it doesn't always help to just solve random puzzles I think you either need a review by theme or you need to review the puzzles that you solve and for me the woodpecker method on chessable helped me do that where I would solve 256 puzzles in a cycle and then two months later I would come back to it and I wouldn't know the solution and that, that made me realize like solving random puzzles doesn't help. If I solved this mm. two months ago and I don't know it now, like I have to review this stuff. Yeah. It's just like studying a book. You, you got to. You were it. doing uh, the woodpecker method on chessable. Were you doing the method? Were you charting it? Or are we just kind of like solving the puzzles on chessable? I wasn't charting it. I, they do have a cyclical method for review on chessable, which is really nice. Um, I didn't follow the exact woodpecker method just because I thought it was very tedious. What I did, what I was, I would do a chapter at a time around and I would do seven cycles of it. So I started with the beginner chapter mm. and then I liked that better because they kind of recommend you, you get through all the 1200 mm-hmm. and you do that seven times. Whereas I was doing each chapter seven times individually and that worked for me. I mean, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it helped me really ingrain those tactical themes in my mind also sounds more manageable i I gotta admit i've i've went to start the woodpecker method a few times and it was like between the bookkeeping Mm -hmm. and the daunting nature of that many puzzles i'd get like one day in and then be like you know this is more than i bargained for whereas the way you're doing it seems a lot more manageable i don't know if it's less effective but it certainly seems more manageable and that's why I liked it, because I, I realized even if it's not more effective, even if it's less effective, if I get through it, I'll, I'll get better. 
Yeah. So what I would do is I would, I would go by chapter. I would choose intermediate one or something like that. And mm -hmm. there's a little tab for cyclical review. And I would just hit review in one month. And then it would never make me review. I would never have to do that spaced repetition. Mm -hmm. And then a month later, it would give me all of them, all the ones that I solved in the last four weeks. And then I would go through it again. Nice. And that was less tedious for me. And that helped me get through it. Yeah, I think that's something that I would like to do as well. And when, and when you were doing that alongside other stuff, right? That wasn't like the only thing right. you did. Right. Yeah, I think that's how I'd like to do it as well. I'm currently doing just random puzzles on chess.com. Mm -hmm. And I hear what you're saying. It's kind of like, I, I'm really debating, like, how much has this helped me? Like, it's telling me, oh, you have a puzzle rating of, you hit 2,600 this week. Right. And I'm like, yes, but I can't solve <laughs> lots of basic, easy puzzles. What yeah. the heck? Exactly. Yeah I'm, like, yeah, I'm wondering if I if I need a new approach to that. Well, speaking of tactics and puzzles, I think it's time, Andrew, for our new sponsored segment this week, brought to us by Aim Chess. I'm calling it Aiming for 2000, because that's what I'm currently aiming for, even though my rating disagrees with that dramatically. Um, <laughs> And what I'm going to do is just talk about a couple of takeaways I had this week from Aim Chess that I thought were important. But before we get to that, um, I just want to say that Aim Chess recently put out a new update with tons of new stuff. If you haven't checked it out lately, um, I've been dabbling with it a bit. There's really targeted lessons, like there's tons of endgame lessons that I just saw today and was like, ooh, this might help for my endgame prep. And their tactics trainer is interesting. Now they're doing this thing where when you miss a certain theme, they let you know and they start testing you more on that theme. So I'm wondering if this sort of fact fits into what you were saying, whereas like when you start missing stuff, they're tracking it for you now and they're, they're coming back to that. That sounds kind of cool. But here are my takeaways, Andrew. The first one is awful. I ran a report on my rapid games for the last 30 days mm -hmm. and it was not very helpful because I realized I've only played three rapid games. <laughs> I tell myself that I try to play like one every three days. It's my main way of, of getting better. So that is very disturbing to find that out. Um, so I need to play more rapid. It sounds like rapid is not your main approach. Your main approach is blitz. But uh, for me, it's supposed to be rapid. Yeah, I, I, I've done a lot of rapid on WeChess, actually. I wouldn't recommend blitz for anybody seriously trying to improve. Um, but a similar story for me with Aim Chess last night. So I, I stream on Twitch. I'm in a lot of Twitch channels. And so on chess.com, my last 40 games have been with viewers who I, I often have like 1,500 points on them. Yeah, yeah. And so I went on Aim Chess and I got a report from my last 40 Blitz game. It says, you win 90% of the time with the black pieces. That's really good. That is I said, I said, that's not very helpful for me. <laughs> it did not take into account my opponent's rating. Interesting. Yeah, I was... I was having a lot of problems with that um, over the summer. I was streaming a lot and I had the reverse. There was this one guy who was like 2000 and he would just come on every stream and beat me in two straight rapid games. And so my rapid <laughs> rating had lost like 150 points over the summer because he kept whomping me. And I was like, we need to play unrated. This is not not working <laughs> yeah i've only been doing unrated games with viewers yeah yeah because they'll funny. they'll range between 300 and i have one viewer who's 28 25 and he's there every stream 
Nice. He's in Mexico, so he's only hanging out with me because he wants to practice his English. Oh, that's cool. Because uh, I don't think there's any other way somebody of that playing strength would be watching me play chess. <laughs> Well, but whenever know. I play with him, I just I get I get whomped. Yeah, yeah, but that's good. You always have to have that person in your life that whomps you on a regular basis. I feel <laughs> right, keeps you humble. Okay, my last takeaway for aiming for two thousand is a super specific one. Um, so I was going through my openings um, as uh, Aim Chess was telling me. I had to do this with Blitz because I didn't play that many games in uh, Rapid. But it really alerted me to something I was I was aware of, but I hadn't really thought about that much. But in the advanced variation of the Karo Khan, um, I know the line really well. I know it like eight or nine moves deep, and I always get a big advantage out of it. And Aim Chess was like, yep, you're usually crushing people out of the opening. However, you lose most of those games that you were playing as white and had a big lead with. You might want to fix this. And that is a really great point and i'd been thinking like why do i lose with this um and i've been thinking about it and i realized that here's why i actually don't know what to do uh i like i was was, like thinking to myself like okay why am i losing this what would i do after this and i'm like actually i don't have any idea because it's a really weird opening where you have like your h pawn pushed all the way up (laughs) the caracon advances yeah it leads you into a very unusual middle game yeah it doesn't translate to like all my normal skill that i have and knowledge so what I realized is because of this takeaway, I either need to do you know one or two things, figure out how one plays the middle game in the advanced Karo Khan uh, where you're pushing the H4 pawn or just don't play that, right? And right. Play, play a different version of the Karo Khan. So thank you, Aim Chess, for really alerting me to just how badly I've been doing with that opening. I hadn't really been thinking about it. I just had been playing it and wondering why do I lose all the time? All right. Uh, that is, those are my takeaways. Uh, Andrew, it sounds like you haven't had a lot of experience with aim chess. Let me suggest you give it a try. And if you decide to subscribe, Andrew, you could always use the code Dr. Skull 30 for a discount. (laughs) I'll remember that. Yeah. I got one of those free reports and I could tell that it can, especially for players like me who are learning online, who don't have a coach, um, using their reports, I can see how it can give you a better understanding of your weaknesses. Uh, just because after I did the chess.com, I did a Lee chess report and those games are more accurate with my opponents. Mm. And it, it didn't tell me anything I didn't know. Cause I'm always focused on my weaknesses and analyzing my games, but it reinforced like, Oh yeah, my end games aren't great. Or the fact that I never get an opening advantage. <laughs> just period. Oh, like I knew that about myself. Yeah. Um, I'm the reverse. It's always like yeah. you rule the openings. Why do you suck after that? <laughs> Okay. Um, you said this a couple times now that you don't have a coach. So I'm curious, what is your reason for not having a coach? Is this like a, Hey, have you seen my graph? I'm doing awesome without a coach. Is it like a, I don't believe in coaches. What's your thought with a coach? I want a coach and I've looked at coaches many times over the years and I've never pulled the trigger. It's, it's on the back burner for me to get a coach, but I've never been able to hone in on one that I really liked. And I, I just never commit to getting a coach. And like you said, I never felt like I really needed one. And I didn't want to pay for one if I didn't need one. <laughs> there was, there was yeah. also that factor, but I do that's, want to get one soon. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, I think the other thing is figuring out what do you want to coach for, right? Like, do you want to coach 
to break you down to the beginning and like remake your opening repertoire? Do you want right. a coach that's just going to look at your games to you, help you find some weak spots? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing for anyone who's thinking about getting a coach. Like, what are you hoping to get out of that relationship? Right. Um, side note, you said you play the Carol Khan advanced variation. Yeah. I went through a similar process where I, at first I really liked it. And then I started to get really weird positions and didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I started transitioning to the move three C five in the advance. Mm-hmm. And I I'm just recommending that if you want to look at it, if you want to get different positions, but you don't want to give up on the Karakon, it's there's less theory. And I guarantee you, your opponents won't know the theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. I played an over the board game against the 2000 and by move eight, I, I won a night. I was up a night. Wow. Are um, we talking as white or black here? With with black, with black. Okay, Sorry. with black. So with black. Oh, do you play and... the Karakon with black? Yeah, or... yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was talking about as white when I play it as white. The oh, I see. I get is weird. And I think I just need to do something different there. But yeah, I C5 see. sounds interesting as black, just pushing up. Yeah, and I've seen some people do that. And actually, my coach was recommending that I switch to that. Yeah. Right. As I don't really understand it as black or white. I'm just like, this is a super weird game. Mm-hmm. As black, I'm just happy because I'm like, cool, you traded off that bishop. All right, let's do this. Um, right. But as white, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just like, why is my H pawn all the way up there? I don't <laughs> like, I, and I'm going to maybe castle short too. What yeah, those, those are weird positions. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I've realized more and more is with chess is that I get find positions according to the computer but if mm-hmm. i don't know what is happening in them then they're not good positions for me right that makes that makes you wonder how useful it is to study opening lines at all because yeah can, exactly advantage even if on the off chance you get your your prep you get yeah. an opening advantage if you lose that game it just hurts more because it's like yeah. oh, i really should have spent that time studying no uh, middle games or, or and tactics. it just feels bad too when the computer's like you're up 0.8 and you're like yeah and then they're like what <laughs> what happened like you lost and you're like I yeah know, i know i lost exactly <laughs> and also <laughs> I lost. when i bring games to my coach and my coach is like wow you played a a great opening you're slaughtering your opponent i'm like yeah i lose this one I'm like no you <laughs> it's impossible to lose this one i'm like no no i managed. i figured out a way that's funny um, so it sounds like you're playing a lot of games. I'm curious, what is your ratio, do you think, of, say, like, games to studying? Oof. No, no clue. Games to study. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll go through phases where I don't study, and, I, and I, I'll go a week, and I only play. Hmm. And then I'll go two weeks without playing, but I made it through a ton of chessable content. Interesting. Um, I, I sort of, I believe it's really important to enjoy chess <laughs> otherwise you will burn out i've burned out um when mm. i'm grinding with things i think i need to do or like my yeah. weaknesses i found that if i if i'm doing what i want and i'm enjoying it that way i can just spend hours on it and and, and that has worked for me so mm. there are some weeks where i don't study and i play there are some weeks where i don't feel for the stress and anxiety of playing a game and so yeah i'll work through a book or two but this is really fascinating because this is getting to one of the discussions I've had with a lot of people recently, which is like kids don't plan very well and adults plan really well. Right. So like, <laughs> right. I'll plan my study. I'm going to do this and this. And I check off the boxes of the plan 
And kids are like, I just did a bunch of chess and got way better. How about you? Yeah. And I'm like, I plan like crazy. Did better <laughs> at all. Right. No, that's interesting. Do you feel I, like your approach of just doing whatever you feel like leads you to actually spend a lot more time on chess then? Oh yeah. If there are times when I'm studying what I don't want to study, but I feel like I need to, hmm. for example, I have Doretsky's Endgame manual Oh boy. and I've been working through the Rook endings and I can tell you, I never do it because I want to. And whenever I, I sit down at a coffee shop with the plan to spend an hour or two on that, even if I succeed in doing that, I won't touch chess the rest of the day. It just makes me tired. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't spend too much time on, on the parts of chess I don't enjoy. I just don't want to look at chess after that. Okay. And then, so here's a question. Why are you doing Devoretsky's Endgame book? Because <laughs> it like hurts to lose. Have said it's amazing? <laughs> it, chess is... Somebody said this. I forget who. Chess is the balance of, of not wanting to think and not wanting to lose. <laughs> like wh- whichever <laughs> one hurts less, I'm gonna do that one. Okay. Sometimes so you... I I don't want to think, and sometimes I really don't want to lose. So I look at my rook end games. Okay. So is it a feeling that like when you do study Devoretsky's Endgame Manual, you are taking away useful stuff? It's just a hard process to get to that takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cause, cause things like, like a lot of Rook end games that are objectively winning and objectively drawn, none of that comes naturally. Mm-hmm. And I hope that if I get those positions overboard, I'll win or draw them like I should. Uh, but I mean, I just have to hope from there that if I go through it, I'll remember it later. <clears throat> Sometimes that means reviewing it a lot. Yeah. Sometimes that means getting that position and losing it when I shouldn't. That's where I've been with end games. I've decided uh, so here's the here's the really realistic thing, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I'm so bad at end games, or was so bad at end games that even looking at end game books was painful. Um, <laughs> and so I would start them and be like, "No, no, this isn't working for me." Yeah. And I just decided, like, end games don't come up often enough to actually. <laughs> end games don't come up often enough. <laughs> and now I really made it a focus because, like, in yeah. the last, especially in my last tournament, it was like. I seriously, I went into an end game up three pawns, another one up four pawns, and we're going over the game with my coach. He's like, all right, we can stop the analysis here. This is just ridiculous. And I was like, I actually lose this one. He's like, what? <laughs> How you managed to lose this one. Right. Um, and yeah, but I I hear what you're saying. For some reason, end games aren't as intuitive to me, right? It's like, and, and by just going through, I, I'm going through Cher Shefsky's, uh end game strategy and it's helping a lot just like seeing like these are the spots they put rooks in. I don't know why mm-hmm. he doesn't actually give any rules of where to put rooks. And maybe it's because it's so hard to talk about rules, but it's just like seeing game after game after game and like, okay, I'll do that. And I'll do that. I've been actually able to use it in my games, which is weird to me to be learning without any sort of principles just by yeah. like observing in a really active way. Yeah. I, I think that's what adults have a hard time with is learning without principles and learning without yeah. rules. And that's what kids can do very well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what makes adult improvement so hard. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this the other day that I don't think it's a stretch to say that chess is like a language mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you, the way that you look at chessboard, the way that we speak about chess. If I say that we've reached a Sveshnikov by transposition, transposition, that doesn't make any sense to anyone who doesn't play chess. Yeah. Um, but it's also like a language in the sense that kids, they, they build up their understanding of their first language from scratch. 
Mm-hmm. If we want to learn Japanese, we need to filter everything through English. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's what's really difficult as an adult improver is when you have um, conceptions of chess that are not correct and you filter new information through those lenses, it, it, is, it is bad. And it's really hard to get around that. Um, that that's just an observation. I don't have tips for getting better at that. I've just recognized <laughs> that kids have a one-up on us uh-huh. when it comes to getting better at chess. I've definitely noticed that with my daughter. Um, she was super serious about chess for a while, but we mm. haven't been able to find any local things with COVID. It's been kind of a mess. And she's just not as interested in chess, but she's been doing things like watching a video here and there and doing some other stuff. And she could not attack at all. And just all of a sudden now, she's like this amazing attacker. Like I got up a pawn and I was being kind of lazy. And I was like, this is, this is just a whomping. I'm like, I'm going to control her. And all of a sudden, three moves Mm -hmm. later, every piece of hers is on my king. (laughs) I am just scrambling to hold on. And I, I'm reflecting back to when I had that same problem. And I was like, I'm not good at attacking. What did I do? I went out and I bought Art of the Attack. <laughs> and I went through it and it taught me step by step how to attack. And she was uh-huh. just like, yeah, you just move your pieces around the king and then kill the king. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. that's not how it works for me. So, right. yeah, it's been fascinating to kind of watch my daughter just like light bulb, like just, bloop, mm-hmm. okay, I got it. And for me, having this like struggle and schematize everything and i don't i don't know i'm really thinking like maybe that's a mistake maybe you just i don't know i don't know what the opposite of schematizing things are andrew you just like just soak it up as it comes i don't know my brain does that it's hard to to learn without relying on the principles yeah and i don't i I don't know a way around it um because because your daughter can just look at attacks attack and then build an understanding from there was we yeah. need to like well we should do this because this and this because this <laughs> yeah and that doesn't work for very long because there's always something wrong with our with our because this <laughs> yeah and i tried to ask her about it i was like what made you think you could attack me now <laughs> she was like um you're trying to checkmate the king <laughs> i was like <laughs> Well, all right. <laughs> like there was right. no, there was nothing beyond just the point of this game is to checkmate the king. Right. New castle. <laughs> so I killed your king. I was Something like, told her I should bring all of these pieces right there, right now. Yeah. And um, it was so impressive too. Cause it was like, at first she just had her queen and then suddenly she had her rook and then her knight and a bishop. And, and I was like, so were you thinking like, I need to develop my pieces? And she was like, no, I just wanted to attack your king with my bishop. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. There all we right. go. There we go. There's the difference. Okay. Um, all right. So this is going to be a hard question because you're not, it sounds like you're not a, like a planning guy, but I'm just curious, do you believe in playing or studying some sort of chess every day? Or are you just kind of like, do you wake up some days and you're like, eh, whatever, I'm not in the mood. I'm not doing it today. There are days where I don't touch chess. Um and I, I try, especially recently, not to play it if I don't want to, because that that isn't helpful for me in the long run. Um, I, I've never really set a strict regimen of I'm going to play 30 minutes, I'm going to study 30 minutes of this, and then I'm going to do that the next 30 days, mm-hmm. except with Woodpecker Method. I guess that's the only time I've really regimented my study. But day to day, I've just sort of... Um, 
played when I want to. And that's how I've recognized, I've watched a lot of interviews with some of the top players and they'll say similar things like Anishkiri. I was watching an interview with him and they were asking how many hours a day were you playing uh, growing up? And he would say, I have no idea. Like if I wasn't in school, I was playing chess. Yeah. And, and there's, there's this, um, to a certain degree, I think people who are obsessed and consumed by chess, like I think I was for certain periods of the last two years, um, that's, that's the best way to improve. What, like, it doesn't matter uh, if you're studying the most efficient way with tactics and with books and with openings. I think if you're consumed with chess and you want to play it and you spend all of your time on it, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna see those jumps. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's hard for adults. Yeah. It's almost the complete opposite of how I've taken my chess approach. Like I almost treat it like a part-time job, right? Where I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got a chess every day. Yeah. Um, and I do try to like, okay, I'm working on end games right now, but you know what? I can't bear to look at an end game. I'm just going to mm-hmm. play some games, do some puzzles, do something else. But I'm definitely thinking in my head, like I got to get that hour in if at all possible. Right. Have you found that that's sustainable for, for long periods of time? Um, I've been doing it since June. Um, I started my summer break from teaching in June and I decided to make it chess summer and I did a lot of chess. Like there were days where I was doing four and five hours a day. And then when I would take the day off, that meant like an hour. Um, but then, you know, once school started back up in the fall and I was teaching again, it was really challenging. You know, there were days when it would be like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. I'm going to do 45 minutes. And if that means I'm miserable, and so tired, I can barely move my mouse. <laughs> I don't care. I will miss all of these tactics puzzles, but I will be right. tell myself, you did tactics puzzles for 40 minutes and missed 26 of them. That's impressive to me. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'm a very disciplined individual when it comes to studying something that I want to get better at. I will say this, Andrew, my rating is the same as it was many months <laughs> yeah. ago when I started that. So this is not an advertisement for this being the correct approach. <laughs> this is just the approach I've taken. So it's kind of interesting. I often right. wonder if like, what if I just took a month and didn't touch chess and just let all that knowledge that I absorbed over the last year sink in and have a chance to like sift around. But I feel like for me, that would be bad. Like I probably wouldn't even come back to it. I'm the kind of guy who's like, I'm either in it and doing it or it's just mm-hmm. like gone from my memory and I don't even care anymore. Yeah, it's hard to say because it, to to a certain extent, chess is a sport. And when you're not training those muscles every week, you will lose them. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, we want to allow new information that we intake to, to settle itself and find its way into our actual gameplay, not just be something that we know. Yeah. And, that, and that's a difficult thing to balance. I think that's what I'm really liking about this new approach I've been taking, which by the way, is not groundbreaking. Everyone says you should do that. (laughs) Instead of studying something new every week, I've just been looking at end games for about a month and I intend to for another month. And what I mean by that is like Sheroshevsky's end game strategy doesn't tell you rules. He's just like, here as piles of end games play through them. And then Mm -hmm. I'm playing through other end games and just kind of like, and then when I play, I'm really excited when I get to end games and I'm thinking carefully about them and I'm actually stopping myself. Like I'm like, we're in an end game. Stop. Reevaluate. Right. What is our end game plan? 
And that's just something I had never done before. It would just be like, we're an end game. I'll just start moving to the king to the middle randomly for no reason other than this. Moving to the king to the middle can't be bad. And then it's like, <laughs> no, that was bad there. You didn't even think about that, did you? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just knew moving to the middle. Right. So, yeah, it's been kind of revelatory actually even thinking about this as an end game rather than just not part of a chess game. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things as adult learners to, to practice is, is to recognize that chess is about decision-making and to learn what the position calls for mm. and to not jump to conclusions like I'll bring my king to the middle or I will make this trade because it doubles their pawns. Like we learn about certain things that are good, but to take in the whole position and think what does the position call for? Should I play queen d2 and connect my rooks because that's what I always do? Or do I need to, do I need to stop him from castling? Like yeah. taking in all of the elements of the chess position and then making a decision um, is something that I've been learning more recently. I, I have to do and not just rely on the things that have gotten me this far. Yeah. And I think that's another place where opening, memorizing opening lines plays into that, right? Because it's like, I'm memorizing these opening lines. Why am I making this move? It has nothing to do with the position. The way, the reason I'm doing it, that's what I was told I was supposed mm -hmm. to do. And guess what? The computer agrees. I'm plus 0.7. I'm doing it right. You're like, yeah, but why did you like, the great example for me is the Nidorf. I never even understood why you played, was it a, a six or whatever? Like, you know, there's the move right. five. And, and then, like, I watched a stream and the person actually explained why you do it, like the defining move of the Nidorf. And I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> you know why I did it? Because the book said to do it. Right. Good move. So I did it. Uh, yeah. Right. So interesting stuff. I think that's really after my endgame studies are done, which, by the way, old me would have just bailed out of endgames and been like, all right, I got to fix this other thing. But I'm not doing that. I'm going to, I'm really going to work on end games, but when I'm done, I'm going to work on the middle, the transition from opening to middle game of the, of the openings I play. And I think like you were saying, just looking at a lot of model games will help me do that as I can see like, okay, what is this game actually supposed to look like? Because when I play this game, it looks like a train wreck after the opening. I'm right. pretty sure that's not what was intended with this open. Yeah. I would recommend that a lot. Um, I found that when I look at, game collections by player it hasn't been as helpful for me because their games are all over the place and these are mm -hmm. usually gms that play everything so they can do that whereas when i look at game collections by um by certain openings then that's a really good place to start because it gives you middle game plans and middle game ideas depending on what your opponent does and that's what i think i need to improve at right now is mm -hmm. is is studying more master games so that I can learn what they've tried and what has worked for them. Gotcha. And where do you get these game collections? Um, I spend a lot of time on the, the Lee Chess, just the opening explorer. Mm. They're, they're usually game collections. I, I get all my material from Chessable pretty much. Yeah. Um, and usually the openings, especially, um, I have a lot of Simon Williams courses because I like that he always has model game chapters mm. based off of certain chapters in his theory section. Um, but yeah, it is a bit harder to, to look at openings that you play and look at their middle games. And I think that's where a coach can help. 
where if you're if you're trying to play against the advanced Kirokan, mm. um, there's somebody who is going to have a collection of games that will give you ideas based on how Black plays. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, well, I heard you talk about uh, my system. Then you talked about Silliman's Amateur's Mind. A- any books after that, or are we kind of done with reading these strategy books? Probably a dozen other books, um, but <laughs> okay. I, 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 uh, it's not that one resource is better than the other. Yeah, yeah. If if any listener just looks at some chess improvement guide, those are good books. You don't gotcha. have to hear it from me. So basically, you're just saying you used good books all along the way. The two that jump out to you the most at earlier periods when you were developing were my system and amateur's mind. But since then you're just kind of all books are useful and you're, you're trying to pick up stuff from everything. Yeah. I recently I've been looking at um, chess structures, Mm, which is a a little bit of a higher level, I think, because it talks about um, plans for white and black given the pawn structure. And, and that's been really useful for me because it's all divided by pawn structure. Um, like he has a whole chapter on Sicilian dragon pawn structures, what white plans, what white's plans are and what black's plans are. Mm-hmm. And then he has the um, model games to back it up. Yeah, and that's really useful for me because yep. it's like, it's a 400 page book, but I have no desire to finish it. I just want to look at the <laughs> chapters at the openings I play. Yeah. And that makes it more manageable for me. Here's a funny criticism I have for that book. I was so excited. I bought it to, to help my Carol Khan game, right? Yeah. I read the whole section on the Carol Khan. Black loses every single example <laughs> of pawn structure. Because he's often talking about it from white side. Or he'll be like, right. here's a Carol Khan structure that comes out of this D4 opening. And, and then Black will win. And I'm like, no, no, no. I am a Carol Khan player. You cannot have a whole section on the Carol Khan pawn structure. And the Carol Khan never wins. Uh, I just kind of like push the book aside and then has been like no no don't be like that read this book <laughs> so yeah that, that's a that's one of these books by the way Andrew that's just on my shelf going stop reading Sharashevsky he's Just-Shaw a fool read me yeah so, <laughs> I'm resisting for now we'll see how long I can resist for Sharashevsky right. is uh getting close to being done yeah, the, the two other books that have jumped out to me, I've I've mentioned the Woodpecker Method and Hundred Endings. You must know. I mean, yeah. you, and both of those are on Chessable. Are you reading chess structures on Chessable? I don't even know if that's on. Uh, it is, but I have it um, in print. Okay. Uh, Hundred Endings You Must Know and Woodpecker Method. I both have on Chessable, and there's no limit to how many times I could work through that and actually improve. Yeah, and that makes sense. Full. It feels like tactics books are so great on chessable especially like you're yeah. saying with the cycle being able to automate all that um and i also have 100 end games you must know on chessable that's one of those that i've tried that book now at least eight times and i'm like mm-hmm. i think i'm just not good enough at end games yet because like i said i was so bad i was losing you know end games where i'm four pawns up so i feel like now i might be about ready to tackle it after i finish uh Shereshevsky, maybe i'll tackle that we'll have to see yeah, those are those are a lot more technical, mm-hmm. and I I I wouldn't recommend you spend too much time on it. Honestly, like a lot of them are are really complex Rick end games. There's a whole chapter on mating with a knight and bishop. I've never gotten that position. Um, so yeah. there's a certain extent where it's good information, but it's not maybe the most efficient thing to study for a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah, um, theoretical end games are really interesting like that. Like I I was told 
you should read Silman's Complete Endgame course. And I was like, okay. And it's yeah. very useful. It has a lot of good theoretical stuff. The problem is I was like, quick question. Um, how do you play an endgame? And they're like, oh, <laughs> good luck with that. You should know that already. You're 1600. And I was like, no, 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 I have no idea. And they're like, okay. <laughs> right. So that's, that's kind of what uh, this timeless technique book on Chessable has kind of been filling that out a bit, giving me some sort of loose guidelines. You know, if you're, if you're looking to draw, keep the rooks on the board. If you want to win, well, rook end games tend to be a little bit more draw. So maybe those are the pieces you trade off and you keep your bishop versus their knight, stuff like that. So just kind of those really basic principles. I had none of that before. So it's been helpful. Right. Nice. All right, Andrew, this has been fantastic. We have approached chess so very differently. And our <laughs> results have also been so very different. So that's uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting observation and realization for me. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm very honored to be on the show and hopefully have something useful to help other people as they as they are on their chess journey. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of great nuggets to be taken from this uh, interview and congratulations on your progress. And my hope is two years from now, I will re-interview you and you'll have gained another 2000 points. That's, <laughs> that's my hope. That's my goal. That's my goal. <laughs> 4,400 <laughs> by uh, 2023. I just got to keep the same rate going. Another exactly. hundred points every three months. <laughs> nope. That's, I mean, I don't see why not. Oh no. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thanks so much. I'll Thank see you, you next time. Me. And for yeah. everyone out there, uh, I hope you have a great week on your chess journey. If it doesn't go great, I'm sorry. Come back next week. We'll have another guest with some more advice for you. And if it does go great, that's awesome. Celebrate the wins when you get them. I'll see you next time. Goodbye.